0: Hey everybody, welcome to season two of the Open to Wonder podcast. I'm Chris.
1: And I'm Karen. When you think about faith practices, activities like praying, worship, and reading the Bible might come to mind. But did you know that listening, celebrating, and wonder are also faith practices and that there are dozens more?
0: When repeated regularly, faith practices help us grow in our love for God and our neighbors. They help us become more like Jesus, and they even help us become more attentive to the Holy Spirit. And faith practices, they're for ordinary people of all ages, no matter where they are on their faith journey. We're
1: so excited to share with you the conversations we've had with this season's guests You'll hear stories of their faith practices and struggles, along with their ideas for a small step you can take to weave faith practices into your daily life. So pull up a seat and wonder with us. Open to Wonder, the Faith Practices Edition starts now.
0: Today's guest is Summer Morling. Summer lives life with the expectation that God is always speaking. She gives her attention to dreams, to her surroundings, and to her senses in anticipation of hearing God's voice. Doing so has impacted the way she views sunsets, interruptions, anxiety, and more. Summer is a pastor, a spiritual director, and the executive director of soul formation a Christian nonprofit dedicated to creating relational spaces for the transformation of Christian leaders. She lives in a multi-generational household in Seattle with her husband, two children, and her parents. And we can't wait for you to listen in on our conversation with her about listening and prayer and how a dare from a professor led her to combine the two. It all starts now on Open to Wonder. Summer, we're excited that you're here joining us today. Uh, As we mentioned, you're the executive director of Soul Formation, um, where you work as a spiritual director as well. Um, We'd love to learn more about you and kind of the work you're doing as a spiritual director, but we really have a baseline question. What exactly does a spiritual director do?
2: (laughs) That's a great question. When I meet with people in spiritual direction, I often begin with a prayer and the prayer is just um, asking that God would bless us with an awareness of his presence and that um, we would be able to tune into that and um, to be able to see the tracings of his footprints throughout the life of the person that I'm meeting with. So that's really what I feel like um, happens in spiritual direction. It's a space Once a month where you can come knowing that um, it is a space just for you to reflect on your relationship with the Lord and um, to kind of reorient from kind of the chaos of life and all of the things going on in your life um, to pay attention to where's God in that? What is God doing?
0: Uh, Sometimes I've, I've heard people talk about spiritual directors as just another therapist. Mm. Um, is there a distinction between kind of therapy, counseling, coaching, spiritual directing, like how, how would you help people understand some of those differences?
2: Yeah. Well, the reality is that um, spiritual direction is going to be shaped by the particular spiritual director that you find. And so there are spiritual directors who are also pastors. There are spiritual directors who, who also have training as therapists and coaches. And so you can find, um, to some extent, a blend of, of those different practices within spiritual direction. But what's unique about spiritual direction um, is that the focus in the spiritual direction relationship is your relationship with the Lord. And so that's really the client in spiritual direction. Um, contrasted with counseling where the client is uh, the individual or the individual's relationship with another person, right? And in counseling, often you are you are there to resolve a problem right? Something's not working. And so you want to fix that. And so when you fix the problem, often that, that counseling relationship ends. Mm-hmm. In spiritual direction, it's much more about journeying together um, towards deeper intimacy with the Lord. And mm-hmm. so a spiritual direction relationship is not focused necessarily on resolving a problem. Although often what brings someone to spiritual direction is that something's not working, right? There's a longing for more in their spiritual life. But once that has been worked through, there can be years and years of walking with a spiritual director, where you simply get to celebrate the goodness, the richness, um, your growing awareness of God's presence in your life.
0: That's helpful. Thank you.
1: So I'm guessing it sounds like as a spiritual director, you do a lot of listening. Um, and one of the things that that Chris and I really want to talk with you about today is listening as a faith practice. And in the Faith Practices Project, uh, we describe listening, that practice, this way, as training ourselves to recognize God's voice in the midst of all the other voices calling for our attention. So if we think about that, listening um, as one dimension is recognizing God's voice, what does God's voice sound like? Like, how do we recognize God's voice? And and what are some of the ways God speaks today?
2: Yeah, such a good question, and a question that I get a lot mm-hmm. um, from people as they step into spiritual direction. At Soul Formation, um, we talk about threefold listening, and that is kind of one of the key practices that we encourage and kind of practice together with folks as they're exploring the possibility of stepping into spiritual direction. So in threefold listening, the idea is that as you sit with another person, you are listening to them, but you are simultaneously listening for the Lord. What Mm. is the Lord saying? Where is the Lord in this? Um, And there's also a need to be aware of your own voice so that as you're sitting with another person, you know, inevitably there's stuff that bubbles up for you, connections that you're making, impulses, things that you want to share um but there's a need to discern is that is this coming is this from me is this something from the lord for the other person is this my lunch talking uh and so we talk about that as threefold listening um and so i think that in order to listen in that way there really does have to be an intentionality in getting to know yourself Um, as a spiritual director and also learning to distinguish and recognize the voice of God. So your Mm. question, Karen, um, is a really important one. What does God's voice sound like? How does God speak? Um, I think that the reality is God speaks in a variety of different ways because what God wants most is to be in relationship with children. So. In Acts chapter two, you know, the story of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descends on the disciples in the upper room and they immediately go out and they begin speaking in all of the languages of the world, right? And the people are amazed because these are simple Galileans. And what I love in that is this image of God speaking in languages that all of the people present can understand. Mm. And so I think... um, there are so many different ways that god speaks but i think that many of us have been raised in traditions where we've only been introduced to a few of those right we yeah. we've we've been raised to believe that god speaks to us in scripture and god absolutely speaks to us in scripture
1: yeah. god
2: speaks to us in community through wise counsel you know absolutely that is true um I have found in my own journey, however, that there are additional ways that weren't as talked about. And so it's taken me time to embrace those as also ways that God speaks. So one of them for me has been through, um, through dreams.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a
2: tricky one, because how do you discern if a dream is from the Lord or if that dream mm-hmm. is, you know, something completely different? Uh, I have That's been something that I have sat with my spiritual director at times and processed together. And I think ultimately the times where I had a clear sense that this was from the Lord was that the after effect of the dream was real peace, um, clarity, uh, and a courage to step forward in something that I'd really been wrestling in. Mm -hmm. Um, There have been times for me when I have been in the midst of of discerning, um, you know, kind of big life changes where God has spoken to me through images. I'll kind of get a mental picture um, I mean, not dissimilar, Karen, from the pictures that you have on the wall behind you, right? <laughs> There'll be some vivid image that kind of comes to me, and just kind of continues to be present. Mm-hmm. And over time, I begin to understand kind of how God is using that to help me understand something that I'm wrestling with. Mm-hmm. Um Something else that I feel like over the last few years during COVID has particularly been a way that I think God has been speaking to me and inviting me to pay attention to him is by recognizing that he speaks to me through my body, through my five senses. Mm. So part of my journey, I've wrestled with anxiety since I was a child. Mm. And um, several years ago, in the context of spiritual direction, the idea popped into my head suddenly, what if this anxiety is not just kind of the thorn in my flesh that I need to pray to be delivered from or something that I have to bear. But what if my anxiety is actually God communicating to me? And if I viewed my anxiety as from the Lord, what would I do differently?
1: Uh-huh. And that
2: for me opened up. Um, it, it totally changed the way that I felt about my anxiety And it gave me the courage to begin making radical changes in my life that I had never been willing to make to that point. Trusting that God wants me to be well. Mm -hmm. And so if that anxiety, you know, to kind of begin seeing that as as guideposts, right? That when my anxiety starts to raise up, ooh, maybe that's God inviting me to kind of pull back and to readjust. Um, I also, during COVID, have felt as so much has been stripped away from me, so many routines and and relationships, and as life has become so simple, oh. and yet there's been so much in life that has been so overwhelming. I have needed for um, God to be more involved in all of life, and I've needed to experience God with all of me. And so increasingly, I've been feeling a desire to to hear God speaking to me through my senses. Hmm. So paying attention to the, the input that's coming at me from all of my different senses has become, um, it's opened up new ways that I've experienced God's voice for me.
1: Hmm. So it sounds like summer is, so as you're kind of walking through your day or night, if we're thinking about dreams too, it's it's kind of, if I'm hearing you right, doing so with an attitude or an openness of, I wonder if God is speaking to me through this, how might, what is there something God would, you know, is there a way that God is speaking to me through this image or this experience being attentive to that possibility?
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think that, um, living life with the expectation that God is speaking to me, Mm. having my eyes and my ears and my heart open, um, to receive the voice of God in the wide variety of ways that he speaks. So, just one example, I, Soul Formation runs retreats at a Benedictine Abbey in the Willamette Valley in Oregon. And the guest house where we meet has floor to ceiling windows that look out on the Willamette Valley. And I watch the sunrise, I watch the sunset, I watch the fog kind of rising and lowering over the valley outside of the window. There's a garden right outside and there's hummingbirds and and hawks that soar around. And so as I'm going about my work of hosting these retreats, I see this magnificent divine masterpiece that is being painted outside the window for me. And it has almost, I, I have this image of um, it's kind of God out there like a peacock dancing for me, for his beloved, you know, just wanting to get my attention, wanting to communicate his love for me by painting this magnificent work of art out the window. And one particular day I was sitting in the room preparing for a session and I was on my laptop facing away from the window and one of the participants came in and said "Summer you're you got to look out the window you're missing it." And i my response was "I know I I saw it at breakfast, right? Like I looked out the window at breakfast." And so a few minutes later i stood up and i turned around and i realized that the view out of the window had completely changed. The fog that had kind of covered the the horizon when i was in the in the dining room at breakfast had dropped down into the valley and all of a sudden the sun the sun was shining through the fog and these beautiful pink and orange rays from the sunrise were there. And it was just a reminder for me that God is always speaking. And if no, I'm paying no. attention, God is just wanting to pour His words of love over me.
0: I think what, what you're really describing here sounds like, how do I be fully present to God's presence? Um, in the environment around me, and even in your own body. One of the things that we've been talking about with um, this faith practice of listening is that there is a listening to God. There's also a listening to others and learning to be fully present to others. I'm wondering if you could say, how does that figure into this whole context of of learning to listen and be attentive? Um, How does that impact the way we engage with our neighbor, mm-hmm.
2: well, I think in the same way that we have to choose to be intentionally present to God, we really need to choose to be present to others. Mm-hmm. And I'm aware just how loud life is, and mm-hmm. how how fast life is, how busy life is, and so I can let my schedule own me. And it fills up, and I don't have time to be present with people, right? Mm -hmm. I walk past my neighbor's houses on my way to pick up my kids from school, and I've left so little margin that a neighbor walks out the front door, and I don't have time to be present with Mm -hmm. them because I'm rushing to the next thing. And so I've learned the importance of leaving margins so that I can be interruptible, I think we see so many times in scripture where Jesus' ministry happens along the way, right? Mm-hmm. His ministry really is the interruptions. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's something that I have been challenged with, uh, is to not view those interruptions as a distraction, um, but as an invitation to engage and to listen mm-hmm. to the people that God has placed in my path. Another thing that I feel like I have recognized um, is so important um, is to curate our inputs. And what I mean by that is we have so many different sources of input, so many different um, social media platforms and news outlets. and you know, the data, the input is just coming at us from every direction. and it's loud. And it is there as often as we are willing to listen to it. And I really have to be intentional then in choosing what I'm going to allow myself to take in, in order to create space, mental space, um, to actually have have room to engage and to listen um, to others well.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I like how you're saying curation of our of our inputs. Uh, and and the idea of margins, um, sometimes we talk about that in terms of, well, we need margins in order to make sure that we're as productive and as efficient as we can be. It's like a a business time management strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what I hear you saying is actually it's it, it even goes much deeper than that. There's a a recognition of of what we need in order to be present with other people in ways, I I think I hear in the background of what you're saying, in ways that God is present with us. Um, There there seems to be a a willingness to be interrupted or a willingness to um, not be as efficient or productive as we probably could manage to be uh, in order to be attentive.
2: Yeah. Um, As you were talking, a quote from Kenneth blue came to my mind about listening. He says, intense listening is indistinguishable from love and love heals. Mm. And so if if we think about listening as a way of loving Mm -hmm. others, um, loving is not efficient, is it? No. (laughs) I mean, you think about how you fall in love um, and, and just the, the lavish amounts of time that you're willing to give to that other person as you're in the process of falling in love. And spending time with another is not wasting time at all, right? You'll sit and watch a sunset and hold hands with your lover for hours. And it's the best possible use of your time.
1: Yeah.
2: And a practice that I have been feeling invited into over the last few months is centering prayer, listening prayer, contemplative prayer, right? Mm -hmm. Growing up, prayer was not about listening. It was kind of about going through the checklist of all the things that I wanted or needed, all of the people in my life that needed prayer. But I've been feeling invited to simply sit in silence with God. And as an extrovert, as a fairly driven person in the past, that was, you couldn't have gotten me to do that for five minutes. And yet I recognize now that the God who loves me is inviting me to simply come away with him, to sit and to waste some time with the one I love. Mm. And so I think that that same thing can translate to our relationships with others, Mm -hmm. that listening, being able to listen well requires time and a willingness to simply pause in the midst of the business of life to be present in a really lavish way. Mm. Mm. You you know,
1: so you mentioned prayer and I I love, you know, the connection between listening and love and prayer. Mm. And, and you mentioned the way that, you know, you've kind of been leaning into contemplative prayer and this, this idea of sitting. Yeah. That's so counter to the way I certainly, you know, was raised to pray. And, and I think, i think it seems to be you know we know there's so many different ways to pray and and people there seems to be as many different levels of comfortability that people have with prayer you know some people are freaked out at the thought of praying out loud and certainly in front of someone else others are comfortable with that some people um Yeah, just grew up with particular words that they were taught to pray and feel uncomfortable praying their own words. I know it wasn't until I was in college and my professor, Eugene Westra, Um, where I went to school prayed conversationally I had never heard anyone he would begin every class by praying like God thank you for the way our elbows and knees are created (laughs) thank you for the butterfly that I saw on the way into the room and for the paper sack that's holding my lunch today I had never heard anyone pray like that it it shaped the way that I pray. So I'm wondering, you know, when you talk about contemplative prayer, like, was that easy for you to just, did you have to do a minute, uh, you know, increase it by moments each day? Like, what did that look like, that form of prayer? And are there other forms of prayer that you have found particularly helpful on your journey?
2: Yeah. Well, as I mentioned, my journey into centering prayer, contemplative prayer, um, it was not it was not a journey that I was looking to take. It was not a form of prayer that was attractive to me in my, in my twenties and into my thirties. And so it has taken time and I think I wouldn't have done it if I had not been challenged by Mm -hmm. a professor and basically told that I wouldn't do it. So I think the reverse psychology (laughs) kind of got me. Um, But I think in trying it, you know, I, The invitation is always to be gracious with yourself and Mm -hmm. recognize that um, anything that's worth doing um, takes practice. And so there were days where I would sit down and my mind would immediately start going in 15 different directions and I'd find myself jumping out of my seat to do the next thing. Um, But when I would realize that that happened, um, the invitation was to not beat myself up, but to simply step back into that place of prayer. And to recognize that God is not shaming me uh, about that, but that God's just simply delighted that I am choosing to step back in and that he loves the time with me. I have found um, that having a word to be kind of praying um, can help me um, focus. And so this morning I spent some time in in listening prayer and the word for me was um, beloved. Um, rest in me. Beloved, rest in me. And so anytime I would find my mind kind of wandering, I could come back to that. And even just in speaking those words, I was kind of speaking my deepest desire in that moment, Right. right? To be able to simply rest in God and recognize my belovedness as his child. I have also found that walking is sometimes a really helpful um, way to kind of get my body moving um, and, and then allow my mind to kind of be present with the Lord. And I think that something about engaging our bodies can sometimes help us um, allow our minds to kind of ponder and be present with God in, in a slightly more leisurely way. Mm-hmm. And usually a walk takes 15 minutes or so. And so, wow, you've just given the Lord 15 minutes Mm. Whereas at home, yeah. sitting for 15 minutes in prayer can feel endless sometimes. Right, right. It, it it just connects
1: with me, you know, when you talked about the sunset and being with someone you love and how you would sit for hours. And for those of us who were just taught, will you pray, fold your hands, close your eyes. And But when you're with a loved one. You do things together, you go for a walk, you can sit and quiet together. And so just even just hearing your descriptions there makes me think of, you know, how the way I spend time with those I love and how might I also think more creatively about the way in which I spend time with, with God. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: And I think that that invitation to be creative and to shape your times with the Lord in a way that's life-giving for you is huge. Mm -hmm. right? If, if your time with the Lord is going to look like time with a friend and is going to involve activities that are life-giving for you, how much more eager will you be to step into those times? So gardening is also, I would say is a prayer practice for me, right? It slows me down. It gets me outside. It gets my hands in the dirt. There's something very embodied about that, but my mind is free to be with the Lord during that time. I have also found that, um, yeah, things that involve um, other senses are helpful for me. And so I've had times where I took a tray of sand and I actually wrote my prayers in a tray of sand and then you can wipe it out and you can start over again and nobody, you know, there's no evidence after the fact of what you are praying about. (laughs) So I think being creative with it is, is lovely, right? As a parent, um, sitting and, and doing art with my daughter can be a prayer practice. Um, while she colors, you know, her Paw Patrol or whatever cartoon character, you know, I can be creating something with the Lord and and making that my prayer time if I choose to invite God into that.
0: This has been really rich, Summer, and I I love the the very accessible, practical ways that you're talking about prayer and listening. Um, you know, I, I once heard somebody talking about, um, spiritual disciplines and they started by, well, the four day weekend, um, up in the mountains and, and the person sitting next to me was like, I have three young kids. I cannot go into the mountains for a weekend as much as I would like to, it ain't happening. Um, and so the way you're describing things are seem to be really accessible, um, small doable practices, um, and, and that's encouraging. I'm wondering um, in light of what we've been sharing, if, um, if you could leave our audience with one small step, one starting place that you would say, here's one simple access point um, to become more intentional with the faith practice of listening or with your practice of praying. Um, what would you recommend as a good starting place for someone who's going, I don't even know where to begin?
2: I think I might give two. Okay. I think my maybe my my first challenge would be, where can you find a little bit of silence? What could you let go of uh, in order to free up a little bit of space for silence? That might be driving in the car and choosing to turn off the radio for a few minutes while you drive to work or pick up your kids Um, Just to free up a little brain space to listen. The other invitation that I would throw out is um, what is something that you enjoy that you already engage in frequently that you could simply invite God into with you and choose to do that with the Lord and turn it into a time of prayer
1: that's so helpful. Summer, this has been such a gift of a conversation. I have never thought about so many of the things, the way that you described, um, prayer and, and just this idea of inviting God in and being, being aware and open to what God, what, what might God want me to see or hear? What might God be showing me today? Um, thanks for making this so practical and doable and, and beautiful. Um, yeah, we just really appreciate and taking this you're taking this time with us today and um, teaching us so much. Thank you.
2: You're welcome. It's been a, a joy to be with you.
1: Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you're interested in exploring how your faith can grow through faith practices, be sure to take a look at our new user-friendly book with a super, super long title, Faith Practices holy habits that help us love God and our neighbor, listen to the spirit and become more like Jesus. It's published by faithaliveresources.org and it's a fabulous resource for individuals and small groups, no matter where you are on your faith journey stay connected with us on Facebook and Instagram at CRC Faith Formation, on Twitter at CRC underscore FFM, or send us an email at faithformation at crcna.org. You'll find links to all of the above and so much more in our show notes. And as always, if you've enjoyed this episode of the Open to Wonder podcast, please leave us a positive review. Until next time, keep practicing.